Welcome to Lose the Gut Podcast. It's the only podcast you'll need to have the information to lose the gut and get asked the first time in your life. I can help you do this by teaching you through mindset, nutrition, and training, because these are three core fundamentals that you'll need. So let's go dive into today's episode. All right, so we're going to start off the podcast with what's the point of tensing techniques like drum sets, rest pause, triple cluster, you guys might have heard these ones, or even like FST7 is a very popular one, like that Rambod. So used by the Olympia or is it Olympia making coach stuff. Programming for chess, what exercise and what sport you typically can and why. I use my fitness style meal pie to get the best results. I'd set calories slash macros. When is it time to adjust the total intake? If you are way over or way under your calories on one day, does it make sense to make up for it the next day so you at least break even over the two days? So let's get started with the first one. Intensity techniques. So point of intensity techniques is to really drive that blood flow to muscle and also add more volume in the less time too as well. So you can't do straight sets. What are straight sets? It's let's just say you have three sets of like 10 to 12. Take that first set. Then you do like you know, like a two minute rest, a three minute rest like that. Then you start again with second set, take a two minute rest, like three minute rest. Then you do your last set. So that'd be like a straight set over there. Now for using intensity techniques, each one of them is a little bit different. For example, rest pause. You might do your first set, rest 15 seconds, then do pretty much run the right away again, doing as many reps, and that would be one of those rest pause sets itself, right? So how I typically do that in my actual programming-wise is I put that as a little combination. So one of the rest pause sets basically means two, so you can input your values. So if you have three sets normally itself, I'll put six sets in your actual coaching program. So you can actually input those values over there, particularly for a rest pause. Now, with that being said, the point intensity techniques, it can really kind of push your muscles past that kind of failure range and really kind of drive that blood flow. And also the most important part is pretty much that failure kind of range. And a lot of people want to do straight sets. They don't really push themselves that hard to the extent where they get the most amount of muscle damage or most amount of muscle stimulants and we add something like a drop set or rest pause a lot of people get benefits from these because they really push themselves even more than they normally would have right because they're not pushing yourself within a couple reps of the failure over there generally within the three reps you're not going to really see any changes whatsoever right so it doesn't have to be absolute absolute failure where you literally could not do any more reps you gut your head and that side of things especially for a beginner if you're just working out but within that three sets of that one. Now, the problem with that too as well, in terms of absolute, absolute failure, a lot of people misjudge that. So let's just say they had 10 or three sets of 10 to 12 reps. And then when they hit that 12th rep over there, just because of program and subconsciously, they stopped that 12 reps where maybe they could have done an extra two reps or even three reps, but it felt hard still, right? So they stopped right there because the program said, you know, 12 reps. But in reality, could they got three reps that they push themselves even harder and harder, and they capped themselves at their rep range. So this is the problem with that kind of side days. If you guys really push past that, which I suggest you do, even if they're rep range and adjust the weight for the next set accordingly, then a tensing technique can really help with this because it's that part where you are doing something extra with maybe the drops, just reduce the weight, and going doing as many reps as you can, rest pause where you're resting for like 15 seconds, then doing as many reps as you can once again. And generally those reps itself are the ones that you might be missing out on from your first just straight set that you weren't actually pushing it hard enough on. Now when we do these two as well, we can't just add them onto every single exercise. 
because that's going to be way too stimulating your body, way too stimulating the muscles, and that's going to damage it way too much, right? So your body's not going to be able to recover from that, especially if you're working out that muscle like another day in the week. So I usually kind of program them in. Is usually your last exercise for, let's say, your chest that day is the one I might have a tensity technique with. Because I'm adding a tensity technique with well, the first exercise, you're just going to exhaust your muscles too much for the body test exercises, and it's not going to make sense. So I always add it on the last one. It's also a safe for exercise too as well. So I'm not going to do a rest pause, let's say on the buckle bench press, because you're going to have a lot higher chance of injury, or you know you might kill yourself because no dumps, no spot over there, and that kind of sense, and you're not going to be able to push out the weight or misjudge that one. So it's going to be a safe for exercise, like maybe a cable fly or machine chest press, right, where you wouldn't have that. So if that makes sense over there. Now, that goes into the next segment to programming for chess. This is one that I do really like and kind of I kind of program. There's a couple of different ways to kind of program over there. But what I generally like itself is having an inclined motion, first of all, flat and a stretch-based motion. So usually the first one in the chest exercise of our programming is a compound kind of lift, like an inclined Smith Street bench press or a flat Smith Street bench press, or like a flat dumbbell press inclined dumbbell press over there. So something that's going to use a lot more of those muscles and to push a lot more weight with on that kind of sense. So typically those exercises on that kind of side of things, the next one to be a little bit of a safer one. So it might be machine chest press or it might be, let's we'll say if we're from inclined slip machine, it might be like a flat dumbbell bench press or it might be like an inclined machine chest press over there or standing cable chest press, something that is not as taxing as that kind of first one, right? A little bit safer too as well. Now, it's not going to require as much energy. Now, last exercise is generally stretch-based motion. So what a stretch-based motion is, is what you like a cable fly, machine chest fly, or like a dumbbell chest fly with the bands. Typically don't like them just seeing the dumbbells because the tension curve is not great. It gives a lot more shoulders. If you add a band to that one, you can really adjust that setting over there. Now, when it comes to program for chest to as well, sometimes for some people, I will have them do a stretch-based motion first to kind of like really get that mind-muscle connection kind of going if they have a hard time feeling that chest. Also get some blood flow over there, especially if they have higher weight for their normal chest press, right? So let's just say, I don't know if you're doing like two and a half plates or three plates on the bench press for Smith machine or something like that, I might actually program in a cable fly first exercise to kind of pre-exhaust the muscle a little bit, but also get the mind-muscle connection in there. So we're not using as heavy weights for that pressing motion to decrease the chance of injury, but also still reach within that kind of failure range. It's kind of a few different techniques I kind of like to do, depending on where that client is specifically. Right? And also maybe they struggle to feel their chest, especially pressing motions, even if we try to use some cues, right? So generally, if we do that, the machine chest fly with that one, some people kind of really get that feel of the chest. They can help transfer that for the next exercise, like a spot flat machine, Smith the sheet bench press, they can feel the chest a little bit more. And it's very important to feel your muscles when doing these exercises. Otherwise, some other muscle is taking over, like probably your shoulder, for example, in a pressing motion like that. So hopefully that makes sense and how I kind of program those chest exercises and kind of wide too as well. So it's all just random. I'll just throw random things out there. It's all designed very specifically for stuck reason and for different purposes to as well, depending on the client. Now, how do I use my fitness style and me applying to get the best results? So I'm going to give you my personal kind of approach when it comes to this one. So a lot of people, when they look at if it fits your macros diet, aka like my fitness style, calorie tracking, they go to the extreme of, oh, 
I'm going to replace my rice with candy because carbs are carbs, right? Or I'm going to replace all my sweet potatoes with potatoes in my meal plan or what I'm supposed to have with, let's just say, cookies, right? So instead of having, you know, some whole foods of rice and potatoes and some quinoa oatmeal, I'm going to have cookies and candies and maybe like a pizza slice over there. And then I'm going to fill in the rest of my protein with just protein powder and these protein bars over there. Like I see that happen beforehand, right? With people coming to me and I'm like, it's absolutely no, don't do that. Right? So that's abusing that fits your macros. And that's, you might see a little bit of results, but that you're going to feel really shitty. And then those results are not going to be great as, as great as well. Typically stick with that meal plan because their digestion is going to be very bad, but also your blood sugar levels and your hormones are going to be screwed up too as well. Right? One big part of that's going to really screw up is your insulin levels. And this plays a big role, let's just say, if we burst, if we ate a sweet potato, which is very slow digestion, so it might raise your blood sugar over time, kind of slowly itself, versus some candies, right? It's very high in sugar. It's going to go spike your blood sugar levels and spike them throughout, spike them right back down. Now, the problem with that one over there is going to create that imbalance in your overall blood sugar levels, and then it's going to make it really hard for you to lose that fat, right? Or even build muscle more efficiently, because when you do, over time, consistently do that. It screws your blood sugar levels. You're more likely to put on fat instead of muscle, right? So that's what I mean by it's going to screw up in those terms. Your digestion is going to be very screwed up too as well. And just overall gut health, you're probably getting more sick too as well. Like I do have one friend, he missed my last week of volleyball over there because he's sick. And I swear to God, this guy gets sick like every couple months, like I'd say every three months. And this guy has a very bad diet. <laughs> and yeah, no, I tried to tell him many, many times that kind of side of things. But me personally, I think the last time I got sick was COVID. It was that one, it was one year ago. Before that, it was COVID again, back in what, 2020. What? Well, yeah, right after my show, pretty much November 2020, November 21st, 2020. So, this last two times, I actually personally got sick. I don't get sick. I eat very good in that kind of sense. But all this stuff does play a very big role, right? So, you want to make sure we're not abusing that if it fits your macros replacing all that because hey carbs a card but here's how i approach it so i personally ha have a strict nourish meal plan and then let's just say for instead of meal two i have my ground bison i might switch up with extra wheat ground beef i might switch up some macros accordingly because ground bison has a little bit less fat i mentioned than ground beef itself so i might add a little more butter or even almond butter to my bison to match those macros well let's just say my chicken breast I might switch out with some I like salmon, but salmon has a little bit more fat over there. So I'm going to take out some more fats later on in the day from me eating butter or some almond butter or some dark chocolate over there. Normally, kind of have, right? So this is how I pretty much do it in this kind of aspect. So we get bored of the chicken breast where you might swap it out with like a chicken thigh from really filling out that day in terms of feeling more like a cheaty kind of thing or something like that. Or yeah, so pretty much a protein for a different kind of protein. Generally, I like to do or try to do something with similar kind of macros, meaning it is. So, or even like a carb, let's say rice, because I'll pretty much have rice as most of my carbs for this right now and oatmeal, but I used to have like sweet potatoes. Potatoes, I just really find that the rice right now is digesting really, really easy and I can eat more of it and my metabolism is still higher. So with that being said, if I'll say one time, which I did a couple weeks ago, I was like, yeah, I'm kind of getting bored of rice right now. So I'm switching up my meals for potatoes, sauce, so sweet potatoes, right? The Japanese sweet potato, particularly like this is really good. So that's what I did, right? Kind of match the macros and switch those out. So that's how I recommend on that side of things to really get those best results. 
Now, with that being said, the reason for this is because I don't know if you guys heard of Alex Mosey's big business dude, but he also very jacked to his walls. It's multiple eat five to ten of the same meals every single day. So you switch up those five to ten meals that we eat every single day itself, that's gonna change your whole look, right? Because if we eat the same five to ten meals pretty much all the time, anyways, which most people do because we're not usually having, you know, a bagel for breakfast one day, then the next day it might be an English McMuffin. The next day it might be, I don't know, cereal. The next day it might be a protein bar. Like most people don't do that, right? We're pretty much creatures of routine and we generally do eat the same things over and over again. If you really kind of study yourself and look at those habits over there, typically do the same things, right? So five to 10 meals, generally we kind of eat consistency of. So if you just switch up those ones on that kind of side of things, we're going to see those better results right away, right? Now it has to be obviously more specific meals. So maybe your five, 10 meals that you always do kind of have might be pizza as part of the board, right? Another one might be, let's just say, um, the Big Mac meal, right? Maybe that was part of your five of the 10. So just by switching those two out as part of the five of 10, that's going to make a big difference in terms of how your progress is. So that's why I believe in the approach kind of I use in terms of meal body wise and making those small little adjustments and maybe your board or you kind of really, you know, about the treat meal or something like that, you could do that. And I also do allow myself two treat meals per week on this kind of aspect. And all I do there is I replace my post workout meal. I just go with that trick over there. And I don't really go that hard at treat meal. I treat it as just like, oh, I'm just going to get the burger, the side salad, or something like that, because I'm not in it for the food wise in terms of food focus. I'm in it for the fact that, hey, this is a time I get to enjoy the social side aspect, hanging with my friends and live on like that. Like it was my friend's birthday on Saturday. So I went up to him with Cactus Club, basically very popular fancy chain over here. And beforehand, if you covered years back, I would have studied that menu a lot and just probably ordered like one of the worst things or, you know, something really heavy and be really food focused, right? Maybe it was, you don't have all pizza over there, but let's say, I'm trying to remember what was on the menu that maybe kind of really stood out. That was pretty bad. Uh, yeah, I actually can't remember too much, but I was told the Creole chicken was good and that was pretty healthy overall. And then it was basically chicken breast, black chicken breast spices, add butter mash, and also seeds and vegetables. So what I did was ask for no butter in the mash and no plain vegetables plain over there. I just had the chicken with that one, had a little bit of sauce on the chicken and that was fine, right? And I was really focused not on the food wise, but I was just connecting with my, well, not my friends, but I was getting to kid him and then met a lot of people too as well at that birthday dinner, right? So I was thinking my time to eat, I was just really connecting, talking, just having a good time over there. It's a lot less about the food wise and a lot more about the social aspect. And that's something that took me a long time to really get over because I was somewhat really hard for it to put before. And that is something I highly recommend for you to as well. Because once you kind of shift your focus on the food versus more on the shoulder setting, you can order whatever in terms of not being as focused on like, this is not maybe the best tasting thing on the menu, but it's something healthy and I can enjoy that social aspect to as well. And you're a lot less likely to be just all over the place trimmed in my feeling feel hungry, like when can I have my next meal or like, you know, when can I have my cheat meal? Oh, it's Monday, but I'm just looking forward to Friday because I get my cheat meal that, right? And I've been there and I just want to really kind of really dive into that aspect of being more social bubbles, right? And getting focused on the aspect of hang out with brands, that social aspect. All right. So how to set a calorie steps macros? What is the time to adjust the total intake? Now there's no black and white answer for this one. Your calorie slash macros depend on a lot of factors. 
Like for example, your age, your height, your gender, your activity level, that's a really, really big one. So like, for example, if somebody's sedentary, like I'm pretty sedentary on um, for like job wise, so I make the effort to really do a lot more and, you know, 10 dollars steps, I'll jump a lot more and just, you know, walk around, take the stairs all the time to the elevator and all those aspects. So lifestyle, huge, huge one versus maybe someone who's a construction worker, you can get away with a lot more calories, stay lean or more calories and lose weight still. So with that being said, those are some of those factors over there. There's a couple more, uh, like your body fat percentage, how long you're working out in terms of like how much muscle you've gained, because with more muscle, you're having to have a higher metabolism too as well. So there's a lot of factors on that kind of aspect that really kind of play a role, right? Now, when it comes to that one, just a couple resources I kind of use online, some calorie calculators in this aspect with all those kind of formulas and I type all of those things in, just based on information that I kind of make that judgment call over there, right? Now, with that being said, this also depends on the rate of weight loss to my client a lot too as well. So if they have something coming up really quick, let's say next month and they want to as much as they really can, and then make it very clear that, you know, you probably eat a lot less too as well, then I might go harder on that cut, despite, you know, I would have generally put them a little bit higher calories to begin with, or let's say if they have a very high body fat percentage too as well, and heavier, I might, I probably just put them a little bit more aggressively than I normally would, just because they have so much fat on the body, they can store energy over there, that they don't need as many calories, even though they're going to lose weight regardless, despite eating a little bit higher calories, right? So there's so much stored energy because they're already fat. The body is stored energy kind of anyways, right? And mental factors do play a role too as well. So if they told me too as well, it's like, hey, I keep losing motivation because I don't see that progress. I actually might take that into account in terms of how hard I go at first in the aggressive cut wise, because if I go really slow in that progress, right? And then I see very slow weight changes, they're going to end up with the same psychological factor of getting frustrated from quote, quote, not seeing results because they're, you know, they quit in the past and not seeing results, despite, let's just say, we're seeing some slower changes, but it might be more of a prolonged kind of thing. So I might do a little more aggressive at first, get them really bought into, in terms of psychology aspects, to go see great results now, right? And then kind of slow it down from there in this kind of aspect, but really focus more on the body composition because they're going to see the body composition kind of change it regardless, especially when they are lower body fat or lower kind of weight, because like, let's say, for me, example, if I lose 10 pounds versus somebody who is like 300 pounds lose 10 pounds, first that's 300 pounds lose 10 pounds, you're not going to see nearly as much of a difference versus if I lose 10 pounds. Nine day difference just because I have so much less fat under my muscle over there. So I lose 10 pounds itself. You're going to see my muscle popping up so much more because I don't have much fat to begin with, right? So this is how I kind of do or set up those aspects. Now, when is it time to adjust the total intake? So I really adjusted based off your progress in terms of progress photos and also your body weight. So sometimes we go too aggressive too as well. If there's too much weight, I'll just track up those calories a little bit. I slowed it down because I don't want your metabolism to, you know, catch up too quickly, right? Because if you kind of drop it too much and your metabolism adapts too quickly to as well, you might be shooting yourself on the foot on the long-term side of things. But I do kind of take a look very carefully, both photos, and also the weight to as well, what they're doing. I have to actually follow the playlist kind of aspect. And, you know, because sometimes people will drop a little more quickly, but not follow that plan side of things. So I might have to give them a little talk or kind of really evaluate things because, hey, I need to eat actually a little bit more on that kind of side of things just because of these 
reasons over here. So if you're way over or way under calories on one day, doesn't make sense to make up for it the next day. So I would say if you have something coming up, like a wedding next month or a vacation in a timely matter, two months self next month, then yes. If not, just get right back on track. The reason for this is because if this is a really good example, it's just me from a bodybuilding side of things. I fucked up one day itself where I had a binge, a little big psychological breakdown, during my body with prep, and I had to mitigate those calories and really just eat protein and carbs to do more cardio. I think I was doing another like 45 for the next two days to, mit to minimize the damage, called damage control over there. Right? But I had a big psychological breakdown, I'm not going to lie. That the little breakup breakup I went through, and then this little base during my body craft, I was like, it's almost like the dilemma. If I did want to compete anymore, it was a big psychological part. So I did have that one date for a bitch, and it felt terrible. But I knew I also had this is only one week away from my show, by the way. So my first show, show was July 1st, and I had this big break pretty much one week prior to that. So I had one week to really make up for that best. The next two days, I did pretty much like 45 minutes of cardio. And just eat proteins and vegetables, nothing else, no carbs, nothing else like that, and pretty much minimize that quote unquote damage control. So if you do have something, I'm not, I wouldn't recommend that pretty much for anybody. By the way, I was a very, very specific timeline and a very hard goal because I was doing a bodybuilding competition, not looking good on a beach for like a week or something like that, or just you know looking good for I mean, wedding. I guess it's pretty big too as well, but you're probably not going to be shirtless for your wedding side of things. Right. But that was like a big, big essential event where, you know, I'll start list. Also, I had a big falling and I had to look my ass best. And I would have been really hard mentally myself if I looked terrible on that day of the show. It would have crushed me. Right. Because I spent the last 16 weeks prior to that, pretty much. Actually, yeah, 16 weeks. 16 weeks prior to that one. Yeah. Maybe two week prep total from other shows. Should do a little calculation. Yeah. Pretty much 16 weeks prior to that one. Did you look that good for one specific day? So bottom line, if you're way under, way under calories on one day, if you have a timeline of like, you know, wedding in month, wedding week, something like that, then yes, it makes sense to minimize that to make up for it in terms of eating a little bit less on the calorie side of things to do a little bit more cardio. But if you're just doing it from a day-to-day -day kind of standpoint, move around that and a goal in the week or the month for a specific date, then just get right back on track because psychologically, it's going to be a lot better, right? Because when you kind of, Minimize that we're trying to get back on track by making up for doing more cardio or eating a lot less too as well. It's kind of viewed as punishment psychologically. You're kind of punishing yourself for the last step. The last step going to be very great overall in terms of long run side of things in this weight loss. So hopefully that makes sense. A lot of it is psychological when it comes down to the training, also weight loss, again, to your ideal body. But it's a lot of technical stuff too as well, but I would say most of the stuff that we kind of deal with it's a lot of psychological side of things, right? One of the psychological side of things, it's, you know, when your friends ask you what to eat, look at aspect. It's like, are you going to cave in? Are you going to, what are you going to order? Are you going to give it to the feelings that maybe peer pressure if your friend's selling you, hey, you should have a drink itself and calling you no fun. Or let's just say when you get, or the donuts at work, right? People bring donuts to work. I remember you my gym I worked at LA Venice. It was unbelievable how often, I swear to God, twice a day, the bro skipped the dishes. And I did, and I was so confused. But I never took in that one. But then they would always ask, hey, what do you want to order for some dishes? Hey, what do you want to order for this one specific spot? We're all getting food. And they always grabbed double on the stream as well. I was so confused. It was like first year I worked that like, this is a gym. Like, why? Why are you ordering all this stuff? Why are you guys eating all this stuff? 
So, but stuff like that, it's like, are you going to cave into those donuts at the back? Are you going to cave in make those orders? Are you going to cave into, you know, maybe old friends, something that's or social expectations of the drinking side of things? Are you going to cave into the long hours of work and after work, you're supposed to work out, but you're actually tired and you're supposed to work. Are you going to cave into not working out or are you actually do your work up? There's a lot more psychological side of things in terms of fitness against your actual end goal than it is pretty much the tactical kind of standpoint. Thanks for tuning in to the Lose the Gut podcast. If you got value from this one and really learned something and want to take it one further step forward so you can lose the gut and finally get your abs, just DM me on Instagram at KevinWoo underscore the words gut and we can have a conversation to see if how to help you out. Cheers.